0: Now, as I was sitting there listening to that, I couldn't help to think that, boy the guys could do a real good job on something like that, couldn't we? That's what I'm trying to get them to agree with, but they hadn't agreed yet, so. Before we get started, let me make a little announcement to you. We're going to be losing one of our young families here pretty soon. Brendan, when are you all officially moving and leaving? So you're separating, huh? So <laughs> now that he's being transferred to Oklahoma City, right? Tulsa, that's close. But it. Uh, no. Did you say something else? I didn't mean to cut you off. If you did, okay. Be in prayer for him. He'll be leaving. He's taking the uh, manager of a. Uh, where you watch films at? What's it called? Theater. Theater. <laughs> I don't go to many films, so just. Uh, Anyway, but be in prayer for them as they prepare to, to move up there, but uh, he'll be going pretty shortly, and so keep him in your prayers as, well as he goes, and and that while he's gone, that she'll behave herself, because that's hard for her. <laughs> this morning, I want to tell you up front that I've used this message before, but unless you was at our church in 1985, you didn't know that. I was digging through some files the other day, and I try to keep all of my sermons from way back then. I've got a two drawer chest that's just packed full, and I came across this passage, this message. But on the top of it, I had written nine fifteen eighty five 85 preached AM service. I thought I'm going to have to mention that because see, I, I just, that just it just gets better with age what it is. But anyway, if you will get your Bibles and turn with you to Second Peter. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Now this passage really does speak to a lot of things that are going on right now in our world. I mean, it's just amazing how, if you read these words and listen to these words, how you'll see that the same thing was happening back in the times when Second Peter was written a few years ago as what's happening today. And that's scary if you think about it. I'm going to ask you boy, to stand with me. We're reading Second uh, Peter chapter three, verses one through twelve. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of the uh, command. I've lost my place, spoken of the holy prophets and commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the very beginning of creation. For this they will willfully forget. That by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that, you, that, existed, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which were now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. "...that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is longsuffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat." Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you for the day that you've drawn us together. And Lord, we thank you for this passage you've given us. It seems to be somewhat obscure sometimes that we don't look at this little book that often. But Lord, the words you just said that one of these days you are coming back. We may give up. We may challenge that many times. But Lord, your word is spoken and your word is true that one of these days you will come back for your church. Go with us these next few minutes as we look at these words and dwell upon them this morning. Thank you for each one that's here. May your blessings fall upon each one that's here to share this word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I said, I had actually somewhat forgot about this message until the other day I was going through my files and just happened to come across it. And I thought, that'd be a good one for today. It just fits today. Because today in our world, we know what it is to have people scoffing, and laughing at the Word of God. We have people that are leaving the church by droves all across this country. We have people that are not interested in church anymore. Young people, for the most part, don't want to come to church anymore. They've heard these same stories. So they're asking, where is the promise of God? For over 2,000 years, it's been said that He's coming back. Where is He? You say, the Lord's going to come back like a riding on a cloud. Where is he? I don't see that cloud. Where is he going to? Where is he coming back? And time just keeps going on as it is. I don't think that anybody in this room would disagree with this statement, that we live today in the most chaotic times I've ever seen in my lifetime. Just yesterday, 11 people inside of a Jewish synagogue were shot to death, and others shot, just not killed, in a church in these United States. That's horrifying. Eleven, and maybe more by now, but eleven were killed on the scene yesterday morning about 9.30 in the morning. I believe it's up in Pennsylvania. Is that right? Is that where it was? Pennsylvania? For somebody to walk into a building just almost like this one, just of a different faith, and take high-powered rifles and pistols and just begin to shoot people for no other reason because they're a Jew, I'm not sure what the other one was, because I'm not sure I'd call him a Gentile either. But for no other reason do that. Something's going on in our world. Something's happening now today. Their argument is, so Jesus promised to come back. Where is he? We've waited and waited. All my life I've heard that Jesus is coming back. Where is he? It may be, Many, many years since we've heard those things. But yet this passage here says that in the last days scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. Doesn't that sound like today for you? For some people in our world, they don't care about God's word anymore. They don't care about the church anymore. They don't care that we come to church. They will mock us if they get the chance. And they do. Even our politicians. Have the gall nowadays to stand up and say that God's not interested in our country. We don't need him around. We don't have anything for him. But the Bible says that one of these days, those clouds are going to be rolled back. And we will see Jesus coming for each one of us if you're a child of God. You say the clouds are to receive the Lord Jesus. Where is he at? What happened to him? You say the heavens will be rolled back like a scroll. I don't see the heavens being rolled back like a scroll. You say judgment will be passed upon all. I don't see judgment being passed. I see things like happened yesterday all across this country and world for that matter. Because they disagree with somebody, people decide they're not worth living. So they take a gun and blow their heads off or chop their heads off or whatever you want to look at. In fact, there has been... No change, people say, in all these years as a world. The sun rises, the sun sets. The winters change, the summers come. All these things just roll on as usual. What do you see that's different about that? Nothing's changed. It's always been the same since the creation began. They will tell us that there's no change in this world, it just keeps marching on as it always has year after year, month after month, day after day. And sometimes even the Christian church has got so complacent that we've lost the reason that we're here for. We're not here to come together on Sunday mornings and have a good meeting time. We're not here to have a fellowship dinner, which I enjoy those. Do you realize that the only reason this church and every other church exists is for people that have never walked in this door? Now, we may have some first-time visitors here this morning. I haven't met you, but we have visitors. I know that. But they may have been here before, is what I'm saying. But there may be people here that just stumbled into our doors by accident this morning. God brought you here for a reason, folks. He said, well, I don't think that. God didn't tell me anything. Well, I assure you, He did. He has you here for a reason. You may have got up this morning feeling bad, and all this stuff that's in the air, and I've had this drainage for... Six months feels like, and can't get rid of it. I sometimes just tell Judy, I don't think I feel like going today, and she said, "You have to go. You're the preacher." Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But it's some days we don't feel like it, and outside these doors we have people that may have been active members, perhaps even in this church or at least some church, and they just don't feel like going to church anymore. But God designed this church as well as every other church that's a Bible-believing church for one reason, not for you, but for those people outside that have never darkened the doors of our church. Next Saturday, we've got an opportunity, a fall festival. Well, what's so big deal about that? It gives us a chance to reach out to our neighbors and friends and people that are just driving by and sitting and stopping that we can... Speak to them and encourage them. Hey, come visit Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Come visit it. Come join with us one Sunday that you'll be here. Feel the love in here. Feel the excitement in here. I believe with everything I've got, every ounce of my being, that this is a loving church. It's a church that wants to be what God wants us to be. We may not be there yet. But I believe that's our desire to see this place full. Just this morning, and I don't remember who said it to me, said, you know, I was thinking this morning, a lady, and said, I was just thinking this morning, and this church ought to be full every Sunday. I agree. I totally agree with that. Yes, we should. There shouldn't be an empty seat in here. We've got more chairs. We can bring out more if we had to. So don't feel like you just have that one seat. But I believe people in this church, have a loving attitude. And I also believe, just like this passage said, that we're looking forward to the coming of Christ. We're looking forward at the coming of Christ. I believe with every ounce of my being that everything that the Bible says has to be done to prepare for His coming is and has been done. Nothing according to God's word, should stop him from coming at this very moment if he wanted to. I don't know when that will be. It may be another hundred years. I don't know. I'm just saying I think the prophecies of the Bible have been fulfilled, and all we're waiting on is God say, go get your church. Go get the church. And then we'll see the scrolls roll back, the heavens floating down. Then we'll see what God's got for each and every one of us. If you're a child of God, I keep saying that because if you're not a child of God, if you're not saved, then you won't be going on that trip. You say, oh, you're trying to scare us now. No, I'm not. I'm telling you what God's Word says. It's not my Word. God says, if you're a believer. If you're a believer. Let's go on a little bit. You say, judgment will be passed upon all. I don't see any judgment being passed on anybody. In fact, there has been no change in this world. It's remained again exactly as it was for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, perhaps, since the beginning of creation. So, where is this promise of God we've heard all of our lives? Where is this day that we see this take place? Where is this day that He comes back for His church? Because we don't see it happening. Where is God? Is he really even coming back? Or is that some nice stories out of the Bible that we just read about? And oh, what a pretty sight that is. Where is God? Is he really coming back? This is the same attitude of the people today. Many, many people are leaving the church in droves, let's say. They don't see it happening. They go to the church and they join a church and they find out that, guess what, all those people that visit aren't perfect people like they desire to be. And they're disillusioned and they leave the church. Did you know that one of the hardest things to do nowadays is get young people to come to church? Because they've been taught in our schools and our colleges, I hate to say. You don't have to do that. You don't really believe that nonsense, do you? That's just a book of a, archaic stories. But I've got news for you. No. Yes, it is just a book. We'll go there. In fact, let me remind you of something. You've probably heard this story, but probably about eight or ten years ago, one of our Southern Baptist Conventions conventions met in, in uh, uh, Florida. I don't remember the site. I believe it was Miami, but I'm not sure of that, so I won't say it. But I believe it was down in Florida, had our Southern Baptist Convention we have every year. One man got up and spoke from Texas, and I hate to even say that, but here's what he said. Folks, as he lifted up this, a Bible, he said, this is only a book. This is one of our Southern Baptist pastors from Texas, and we as Southern Baptists are people that we say we're the people of the book. Don't kid yourself. A lot of churches have even turned against the Bible nowadays. Let me say this. I hope this church never leaves this book. And if it does, let me know because I'm out of here the next day. I don't want to be a part of a church that doesn't believe that this is God's Word from cover to cover. Mine even on the back says genuine leather. I believe that's true. Every word of it is true, folks. Not because we believe it, but because God said it. And if God says it, I believe it. It doesn't matter what it is. The same attitude today of the people is just like it was in this day when this book was written. Same attitude of the people. Where is God? Is He really coming back? They say that nothing has changed since creation began. But yet, that's not a true statement. They say that nothing's changed. But let me ask you something. What has God done to forget, for us to forget what He's done? What is it that God has made us forget the things about it? We're in it. We live in a time when God has taken second place to a lot of people in their lives. They trust the government. They trust the Democrat or the Republican Party more than they trust God. They criticize everything that's being done. Where is God in this situation? We don't have time for God anymore. Things are more important. I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got things I've got to do at the house. God doesn't care anyway. What's the difference? Today, today, God doesn't seem to be the center of our American society. I remember not many years ago, I was in probably the third, fourth, fifth grade, somewhere in that range, that every morning when we walked into class, we'd lay our books on our desk, and the principal of the school would stand up over the the microphone and say words similar to this. Would you pause with me for a word of prayer? And then he would lead us as a classroom in praising and honoring God. I also remember about I don't want the year exactly, but around 6061, when we had the Cuban missile crisis. remember that? At the school that we had, I remember them leading a prayer at the middle of the day during that crisis, President Kennedy, I believe was the president at the time, and they'd lead a prayer. Lord, meet this situation in school. Try to do that in school nowadays. See how far you'd get. Our schools, and no offense to the teachers by any means, they just have to do what they're told, have taken God, our schools have taken God out of prayer. And then we look around and wonder why there's shootings every other month and people dying for no reason at all. and All these things are going on in our streets. Why are we surprised? We took God out of the classrooms. When you take God out of a society, it's going to go down. That's the days we're living. That's a picture of what they were living back this day. Today, God doesn't seem to be the center of our society. I remember commercials. In fact, if I'm, I could be wrong on this, but I remember at 10 o'clock at night, They'd come across this thing, and we lived just north of Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth up there, and it says, number one, do you know where your kids are? And then it would go across, and if I, I'm not sure I remember this, so if I got it wrong, forgive me, but I believe it'd say something like, God bless America, and God bless you. I remember that as a kid. Now, I know I'm not that much above a kid now, but it's still, don't do it. <laughs> but it's... We've taken God out of our society, folks. What's happened to us? Where are we at? But let me ask you, where is God now? Where is God now? I believe He's still sitting in His room, just like He was back then. I believe He's encouraging us to remember how you used to be faithful. Faithful. Remember how you used to participate. Remember when you used to help with the Harvest Fest. I believe he's calling us back and say, hey, there's still a need. Look outside these doors, outside these windows as people walk by every Sunday morning. In fact, some tell me each week I get distracted. Every time somebody walks by, I look out there. It's most of the time young people. They're passing by, but they never enter the doors. Have we taken God out of our societies? Every day there are laws being passed, people making stands against the things of God. Look how far our world's came. I don't remember the year exactly, but I believe it was in the '60s. Probably some of these ladies that worked the uh, what's the house down the street, uh, uh, what? the uh, abortion place. What's uh, there's it hope pregnancy. See? i just give you a test if you'll figure it out. <laughs> it's, that's right, that's right. An anti abortion, I'm sorry. I told you this is an old message, so I had to change it. So. <laughs> but it's look what's happened since then. And all the lives of little bitty human beings has taken. I have no idea what the number is, but it's got to be hundreds of thousands if I what was it? In the millions now, that we our government sanction. Well, if you don't want it, just go ahead and kill it. It's a life, folks. It's a life. I saw a little on a little deal on Facebook yesterday. If I can remember how it went, it had this young lady and this baby, you know, side by side in pictures, and the caption was something like this. And again, I may say it wrong, but it uh, it's my body. It's my I can do what I want to with it. And then the caption on the little baby was, make your choice before you conceive. And that's what they ought to do. But we've given in to these things all over the world. Prayer has been taken out of schools. Homosexual activity is now a common thing in our world. To take a stand... Even though the Bible teaches, no. The teachers in the schools no longer have control over their schools. I don't know if that's true in every place, but I've heard some of our teachers say the same things. They can't punish kids, can't discipline them. They have to just watch them. How long will God allow His people to be subjected to this kind of world. Finally, God will say, that's enough. And then I believe that heaven's going to be rolled back and He will come back that day. That moment, in fact. Or does God intervene anymore? Will He let things go forever? Perhaps, as some people think, That God is dead. There is no God to deal with us. Has anything really changed since the beginning of time? But let me share with you. I believe with every ounce of my being. God is alive and God still is in charge of this planet. And I believe God sits here every week by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. He watches you. He watches what you do. He hears how you mumble because we go five minutes over the message. He watches all these things. And I believe it breaks his heart. Has anything really changed since the beginning of time? God is alive and he will, as many times before, take care of the situation, intervene. Let me remind you of some things in the Bible as we go through it. I won't turn to the verses of passage right now, but you ever heard of Noah and the flood? For years and years and years, God allowed that place to go down and down and down. He had a man named Noah, and he says, "Noah, I want you to build a boat." And Noah said, "What is a boat?" He said, there's going to be a flood. And Noah says, what is a flood? And he called Noah to prepare a big boat. And by the way, that's a picture of Jesus if you hadn't figured it out by now. And he said, Noah, when you get it finished, I want you to go out there and round up two of each animal and bring them on the ark. Now, can you imagine being Noah? I don't even know what a boat is. What's a flood? We've never had a flood. And he goes through all this, but it took him years and years and years to build. And finally, when it was done, Noah said, Now take your family and the animals that I told you to pick and take them inside the ark. And he did that. Doesn't sound like a pretty sight, does it? But God knew exactly what he was doing. Don't you imagine those people outside that boat? You know, Robert and I was talking about four before church and talking about comedians. And I used to love Bill Cosby. Still do, but he sort of messed up a little bit, so I've, my love for him dropped dropped somewhat. But anyway, he was a great comedian. If you ever heard his deal about knowing the ark, it's hilarious. I remember him saying that, you know, as Noah was building this ark out in his driveway, all these people come by and say, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? And he explained to them. And they'd laugh at him. I imagine everybody that passed by his street laughed at him until that day came when they got in the ark and all of a sudden something fell from heaven caught a raindrop remember it hadn't rained up until this time all of a sudden it began to rain more and more and more and that water began to rise I don't need to go into detail and tell you the end of the story but let's just say a few of them couldn't swim that long anyway. They were washed away by that flood. But inside that flood, inside that ark, was a representation. It was a representation of Jesus Christ to come one of these days. Inside that ark, they were safe. If they tried to get out, they would drown, no question about it. And for many days they floated this ark, and finally they saw a rainbow picture of God's love to us, human beings. And the water began to recede and they began to go out eventually. How about another example? How about two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah? Ever heard of those cities? The Bible tells us it was ungodly sin in those cities. God allowed them for years and years and years and years to go on. And finally, God said, that's enough. You're so degraded, you can't, there's no hope anymore. And God destroyed them. How about the Tower of Babel in the the Old Testament? People decided that they were smart enough and intelligent enough to, and Builders enough that they could build a tower and they could reach heaven, and they started off and they did good. But all of, a God, all of a sudden, God says, "No, that's not what's going to happen." And He did something so unusual. He caused them to un- not be able to speak their language. So here they all—all these builders are working together, hundreds of them probably building this tower, and all of a sudden one day they couldn't communicate. Sounds like Baptist, doesn't it? And God stopped it in its tracks. What about in newer times? Has God ever done anything in modern days or our newer days? Well, yeah. The Spanish Armada hadn't been that long ago in years, 100 years, 200 years. Had a great army of Armada, of these ships. They were going to destroy the world. They come up into a large port, I guess you'd call it, out there away from land. And the people were so frightened that the Spanish Armada was going to destroy their cities and everything else. But God did another little thing that for God was nothing to it. He began to blow as a wind. All those Spanish Armada ships were lost. Did God intervene? Yes, he did. How about Napoleon in 1812? Napoleon. We've all read about him in our history books. What happened to them? They were marching toward victory to be the world's leaders, to stamp out anything's in between them. And as they marched, a snowflake began to fall. A snowflake that's so small and so soft it could fall, fall up on a newborn baby's head and wouldn't even wake it. A snowflake. What did God do with those snowflakes? He let them come down and come down and come down on the army, Napoleon's army. The next morning, you could get up and walk over to one of those humps in the snow and wipe it off, and there would be a cannon. Over here you'd find something else. Wipe the snow off and there'd be a cannon there or whatever it may have been. But then you start looking around and you'd find the bodies of over 500,000 men that died from that snowstorm. What about a man we all know well of named Hitler? We've all heard that name. What did he do? He decided the Jewish people didn't need to live. And I don't remember the number. I believe it's up in the 500,000, isn't it? Something, Something of that nature. Six million. Okay, I was a little low. Six million people lost their lives. All because they were of a different race than we are. They lost their lives because of a man named Hitler. does God intervene? Absolutely he does. But now listen to the words of this passage we just read. Beginning in verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 5. Listen to these words. For this they will for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old are of old. Excuse me. And the earth standing out of the water, talking about the flood, and in the water by which the world then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens of the earth, which are now preserved for the same word of judgment and perdition of ungodly men, be beloved, but beloved, do not forget this one thing. Now watch this right here. Do not forget this one thing: that with the day, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And 1,000 years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all, A-L-L, should come to repentance. But then look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away, ...with a great noise. And the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in the earth will be burned up, will be dissolved. What manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, be, being on fire, and the elements will, be, will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless... We, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which the righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking toward of these, forward to these things, we be diligently be diligently found. can read today. Be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Did you hear what God's Word just said? Well, where is God? Why, why isn't He coming back? It's time for Him. One day with the Lord says a thousand years to us. And I don't think anybody here has been born for a thousand years yet. Now, some of, I'm questioning some of you, but that's another story. But we're so impatient. Okay, God, you said you're... Now, come back and do it. Come on. I'm tired of some of these people. Let's get rid of them. But God says no. I still want to give them an opportunity for salvation. An opportunity for salvation. What are we waiting on? That one part that said would melt with a fervent heat. I don't know what that means. I'll be honest with you. But here's my theory. And it may or may not be right. But it teaches that. There's going to be a day when there's going to be a powerful explosion. It's going to be bad. Does God intervene? Verses 8 and 9, God has not forgotten his promise. Folks, God keeps his promises. I don't care what it is. Don't think for a minute, minute that God's forgotten this promise here. Judgment is coming. One year, ten years, a hundred years. It may be two hundred years. I don't know. But I know this. One of these days, God's going to tell Jesus, go get your church. And then things get to put in. We studied the book of Revelations for just well over, over a year, wasn't it? Uh, just finished up last Sunday. Miss Judy wrapped us up and brought us to the point of conclusion of it. And we went through all these things. And I'll be honest, I don't understand them all. I don't get some of it. But I know this. If God says it, that settles it. But I was thinking about that time of the day. Verse 8 and 9 again. He has not forgotten his promise. Judgment is coming. What does that mean to us? Well, perhaps the rich man is driving to his judgment in his Rolls Royce. The poor man may be walking. The baby baby may be reaching out for help somebody. That's all I need to know. When God says enough, it will be over. Now, let me share one other thing, and we'll close out this morning. God knows everyone here, and he also knows everything about you. You say, but I go to church all the time. Going to the church will not get you to heaven. You can go to church every Sunday. It's not about going to church, which is important. It's about knowing the God of the church. It's about knowing who Jesus Christ is. Because the church will burn up just like everything else did, we're told. But Jesus Christ will not be lost. He's always going to be here. It doesn't matter what we do, what we try to do. I was thinking about that explosion the Bible just read about. What could that be? What's it talking about? Well, I was reading, I forget where I was looking at the other day, and that's talking about that bomb that went off on August 6th, I believe it was, 1941, called the First Atomic Bomb. And I was reading some things in this book, and it literally melted the stones. It was so hot. It raced from that explosion point 200 feet a second, I believe it was, melting everything, buildings. It was something like in the first few minutes, 100,000 people died from the ferocious heat. And the thing that scared me a little bit is this article went on talking about that and all the things that went into it, and I didn't bring it, didn't want to, it's a lengthy article, didn't want to bring it all to you, but... We now have bombs today that are 500 times more powerful. Now, I'd have to ask one of these Army guys to confirm that, but I'm going to tell you if it's true anyway. It was in, a, in a good magazine. Can you imagine what that would do to cities nowadays? And you wonder what the loud noise is going to be. You wonder what's going to happen in a second so many people died that we wouldn't know what to do with it is God coming back absolutely he is is he going to destroy this earth absolutely he is which way are you going do you know Jesus is your personal savior if you don't The Old Testament says now, today, is the day of salvation. I'm not talking about joining the church. You can join that if you want to. That won't get you to heaven. I'm talking about do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't, you can this morning. All you have to do is call upon the Lord, and he'll save you. We're fixing to have in just a moment our ushers on both sides as we always do. I'm going to ask you, don't leave this church without Jesus. The things the Bible just said could happen any day, folks. You're trying to scare us. If I could scare you, I'd put a mask on my face and run down this aisle hollering. But that won't scare you. But listen to the words that we just read in Second Peter chapter 3. That ought to scare you if you're not a child of God. Let's stand together. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. Come and close the service. And Lord, we just ask you that you'd be with us in this verse of invitation. Lord, I don't know the hearts of anybody that's here today, but you do, and you know them well. And Lord, my prayer is that they would be so burdened that they not leave this building without talking to one of our deacons or somebody else that doesn't have to be with them. Just say, hey, I need to talk to you a few minutes. And Lord open their hearts to be receptive to you. This verse, this invitation we're going to sing is your invitation. It's not mine. You move in it the way you want to right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.